the Bible Study Podcast, episode 549. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Kings 7. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're carrying on with our study of Solomon here with 1 Kings chapter 7, Solomon Builds His Palace. It took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. He built the palace of the forest of Lebanon, a hundred cubits long, 50 wide and 30 high, with four rows of cedar columns supporting trimmed cedar beams. It was roofed with cedar above the beams that rested on the columns, 45 beams, 15 to a row. Its windows were placed high in sets of three facing each other. All the doorways had rectangular frames. They were in the front part in sets of three facing each other. He had a colonnade 50 cubits long and 30 wide. In front of it was a portico, and in front of that were pillars and an overhanging roof. He built the throne hall, the hall of justice, where he was to judge, and he covered it with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the palace in which he was to live set further back was similar in design. Solomon also made a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had married. All these structures from the outside to the great courtyard and from foundation to eaves were made of blocks of high-grade stone cut to size and smoothed on their inner and outer faces. The foundations were laid with large stones of good quality, some measuring ten cubits and some eight. Above were high-grade stones cut to size and cedar beams. The great courtyard was surrounded by a wall of three courses of dressed stone and one course of trimmed cedar beams, as was the inner courtyard of the temple of the Lord with its portico. So Solomon is building a house for God, but he also takes the time to build a house for himself, a pretty nice one from what we can tell. A lot of expense went into this as well, and a lot of work. And again, keep that in mind because we're going to get some blowback for that in a number of years at this point when his time as king ends. Now, a couple things there. One is the throne room, the Hall of Justice. This has nothing to do with the Justice League and Superman and Batman, but I thought it was interesting that it was called the Hall of Justice like their headquarters. But more importantly, he made a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter whom he had married. Now, We need to remember that in the Mosaic law, you are not supposed to be marrying people from other nations, especially people from other faiths. That's really what the concern was. And so put a pin in this here because we're going to see very quickly that that's going to start to lead to some problems. But really, as soon as we got to Pharaoh's daughter whom he had married, it's not hard to predict what's going to happen from here. And then it continues to talk about the temple's furnishings. King Solomon went to Tyre and brought Huram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and whose father was from Tyre and a skilled craftsman in bronze. Huram was filled with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge to do all kinds of bronze work. He came to King Solomon and did all the work assigned to him. He cast two bronze pillars, each 18 cubits high and 12 cubits in circumference. He also made two capitals of cast bronze to set on the tops of the pillars. Each capital was five cubits high. A network of interwoven chains adorned the capitals on top of the pillars, seven for each capital. 
He made pomegranates in two rows encircling each network to decorate the capitals on top of the pillars. He did the same for each capital. The capitals on top of the pillar in the portico were in the shape of lilies four cubits high. On the capitals of both pillars, above the bowl-shaped part next to the network, were the 200 pomegranates in a row all around. He erected the pillars at the portico of the temple. The pillar to the south he named Jachin, and the one to the north, Boaz. The capitals on top were in the shape of lilies, and so the work on the pillars was completed. He made the sea of cast metal, circular in shape, measuring ten cubits from rim to rim and five cubits high. It took a line of thirty cubits to measure around it. Below the rim, gourds encircled it ten to a cubit. The gourds were cast in two rows in one piece with the sea. The sea stood on twelve bulls, three facing north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east. The sea rested on top of them, and their hindquarters were toward the center. It was a handbreadth in thickness, and its rim was like the rim of a cup, like a lily blossom. It held 2,000 baths. He also made 10 movable stands of bronze. Each was four cubits long, four wide, and three high. This is how the stands were made. They had side panels attached to uprights. On the panels between the uprights were lions, bulls, and cherubim, and on the uprights as well. Above and below the lions and bulls were wreaths of hammered work. Each stand had four bronze wheels with bronze axles, and each had a basin resting on four supports, cast with wreaths on each side. On the inside of the stand, there was an opening that had a circular frame one cubit deep. The opening was round, and with its base work, it measured a cubit and a half. Around its opening, there was engraving. The panels of the stands were square, not round. The four wheels under the panels and the axle of the wheels were attached to the stand. The diameter of each wheel was a cubit and a half. The wheels were made like chariot wheels. The axles, rims, spokes, and hubs were all of cast metal. Each stand had four handles, one on each corner projecting from the stand. At the top of the stand were a circular band half a cubit deep. The supports in the panels were attached to the top of the stand. He engraved cherubim, lions, and palm trees on the surfaces of the supports and on the panels in every available space with wreaths all around. This is the way he made the ten stands. They were all cast in the same molds and were identical in size and shape. He then made ten bronze basins, each holding forty baths and measuring four cubits across, one basin to go on each of the ten stands. He placed five of the stands in the south side of the temple and five on the north. He placed the sea on the south side at the southeast corner of the temple. He also made the pots and shovels and sprinkling bowls. So Huram finished all the work he had undertaken for King Solomon in the temple of the Lord. The two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals on the top of the pillars, the two sets of network decorating the two bowl-shaped capitals on top of the pillars, the 400 pomegranates for the two sets of network, two rows of pomegranates for each network decorating the bowl-shaped capitals on top of the pillars. The ten stands with their ten basins, the sea and the twelve bowls under it, the pots, shovels, and sprinkling bowls, all these objects that Haram made for King Solomon for the temple of the Lord were of burnished bronze. The king had them cast in clay molds in the 
plain of the Jordan between Succoth and Zaranoth. Solomon left all these things unweighed because there were so many. The weight of the bronze was not determined. Solomon also made all the furnishings that were in the Lord's temple, the golden altar, the golden table on which was the bread of the presence, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the right and five on the left in front of the inner sanctuary, the gold floral work and lamps and tongs, the pure gold basins, wick trimmers, sprinkling bowls, dishes, and censers, and the gold sockets for the door of the innermost room the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. When all the work King Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father had dedicated, the silver and gold and the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. I want to talk a little bit just quickly, and I'm not an expert in this, in terms of what's in the temple. We have this molten sea that is described, this large basin. It says, 2,000 baths, that'd be about 90 cubic meters of water in this. So this is going to be used as is everything in the temple for ceremonial purposes. So remember, we've got incense that's mentioned. We've got lamps. We've got also tongs and basins and snuffers and things that are used for the sacrifices because this is not a sterile place. This is a place where worship is going on where there's purification, which you'd need the water for, where there's sacrifices going on, burnt offerings, while you need the tongs and the basins and the snuffers and all those sorts of things, where there's incense being burned. This is kind of a smelly place. Uh, It might smell like barbecue or it might smell like incense or whatever, but there's a lot of smells and bells and all sorts of things going on because the temple is an active place and it is a place where worship is happening, where worship is being performed, especially by the priests. And the only place they're not going except once a year is that holiest of holies where the priest will go in once a year. And so all of this is being described and all of this is obviously being carefully made. One of the things that surprised me, and we didn't talk about this last week with all of the decoration, is a lot of graven images, a lot of things where you might be a little surprised to find that there are cattle and lions and pomegranates and those sorts of things, as well as cherubim, cherubim being one of the two types of angels described in the Bible, cherubim and seraphim, and how people know what they look like so that they can put them on their altars and things like that. We don't really know. This is an artist rendition that is being done. But it's a little surprising when you think about the fact that this is a Jewish temple, how many times there are these depiction of lilies and lions and things like that. But when we see all of the care that went into this, it's because at this point, the worship of the Lord is very important. Now, keep that in mind because we're going to go a few generations away where we forget a lot of things. And it's kind of important to remember this time where things are going very well. And one of the things that's happening that's happening well right now is the worship of God is happening and it's being done very well. And that's partially what's being reflected in all of these preparations that are happening for the temple. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.
Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.